I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholtz. And you're listening to CollaboraCast. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing very well. How about you? I am doing okay for now, but I am on the precipice because we are right about now under the heat dome that is the United States of America, particularly the Midwest. We're supposed to have record high heat today, record high humidity, record dew points. It's about to get real uncomfortable and muggy. And that follows yesterday. We had, it wasn't a tornado, but we had winds that did an unnatural amount of damage in the area. Big, big trees got pushed over, root systems exposed, just blown out of the ground. And I've heard that we were having gusts up to 70 miles an hour, which is fast, but in some of the cases of things that I saw get knocked down, it was the kind of thing that you would expect with a much larger storm. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit stressful yesterday at about 2.30. It looked like midnight. It just got completely dark. It was the lights, the street lights came on, the lights on the Capitol came on. It was, it was tense. And today is just a day that if you like swimming in soup, you've got a great, <laughs> great place to go here. How's the weather there? It's beautiful. We had a, a brief heat wave for a few days, got out to the beach with the kids. Um, it was nice out there. And then it cooled off kind of quickly after that. And it's a, it's, it's quite comfortable out here for now, but the comfortable it's, it's, this is all a prelude to fire season out here. Of course <laughs> it's been so, well, we did get you. I think there was a, about an inch of rain, uh, the weekend before last, which is pretty unusual this time of year, but, um, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's, it's nice for now. And then things just start drying out more and more and more from here on into October, November or so. So it wasn't like this when I was a kid there, we didn't have fire season. We had floods. And then now we've got this weird time, uh, kind of in the September, October where, where there's this whole other phenomenon going on out here now. Yeah. It's scary. I've been out there, um, when fire season was going on and just, the level of destruction and just the power of nature on display like that is it's humbling and it's scary and terrifying or can it is and it reminds you that our our human habitation here on the planet is is there are just forces that are much bigger out there than than we can uh than 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 we know and that we can be prepared for Absolutely. So we get, you know, whole towns getting wiped out as they have over the last couple of years. It's, it's, you know, and there are, it's a consideration out here when you're deciding where to live, where to buy a place, you know, you, these towns out here and these forests and things are, things are, things are tenuous, but for right now it is the tail end of spring schools out. There's a, it's a, a, a nice feeling in the air. The kids are happy and relaxed and ready to be outside running around. And so 
Yeah, no complaints. Well, what an excellent segue. We got someone who asked about when the best time of the year was to query, if there was the best time of the year to query. And that actually dovetails nicely into what you were just talking about because conventional wisdom would have you know that the productivity of the publishing industry as a whole typically slows down between Memorial Day and Labor Day. And a lot of the assumptions that I am making here and repeating are based on how things have worked historically. When you throw in a pandemic, when you throw in remote access to work, there may be some evolution going on. There may be some necessary changes going on. But typically what's understood is that between Memorial Day and Labor Day, the people in the publishing world are on vacation, are out and about in the world, taking a break from the office. And you might notice a lag time on queries if you've reached out to an agent. And agents will often, at this time of year, kind of slow down their submitting to publishers because the publishers, again, theoretically, are going to be in the office for fewer hours a week if they're in it all. So what happens is around a week or two after Labor Day, and then again at the beginning of the new year once the holiday season is over, there is a busier than normal submission process. And as someone who is receiving query letters, contact from agents, I will build into my schedule that things are gonna be busier in mid-September and late January. So if you are at home right now and you are feeling the pressure of getting your query letter done, and getting it in the mail and crossing your fingers know that maybe right now is a time where you can just kind of hang out with the book a little bit longer or even the query letter a little bit longer because your self-imposed deadlines might not really connect with just the general timeline and schedule of the publishing industry in the summer. And so giving yourself the opportunity to take a deep breath and step back is always a good thing. It's always good for the mental health. It's always good for the anxiety. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it just doubles your anxiety because you want to get something out the door. That's also a possibility. And I'm sorry if that's the case. I wasn't trying to downplay your situation too. But yeah, that's that's what I know. One might be tempted to think, well, it's better if I submit during this slow period and then there's going to be less competition. I'm more likely to to rise to the top of the stack. What would you say to that? I would say that I understand the impulse in thinking that way, but that there's a good bet that things aren't read in chronological order. So it's not that you are getting yourself on the top of the pile. It's just kind of, there is a swimming pool full of correspondence and you have to dive in. And um, yeah, I just, it may be 
it, it may work out in your favor. I guess the biggest lesson I can say is that be patient if you've sent something out here towards the end of spring and you're hoping for a response in what you believe to be the assumed period of time to, to get a response. If someone says that they respond to queries in two to four weeks, maybe you budget that to four to eight weeks. It's just, it's that kind of, don't catastrophize silence in summer as an indication of disinterest or of publishers and agents being aloof or anything like that. It's just a matter of here is the reality that people take vacations in the summer. And although it's not the public school system where teachers are like legitimately out of the classroom for weeks, months at a time, uh, it, is, it is a known phenomenon, 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 phenomenon. And uh, yeah, just save yourself some stress. That's all. So I know for me, before I met you and started to get your perspective from the inside the publishing world, the, the whole submission process beyond the agent was really a kind of a mysterious black box to me. This, you know, these, these, submissions get sent over to this big machine called a publisher and then get run through something that I imagined looked a little bit like a Dr. Seuss factory with funnels and tubes. And, and so this is a notoriously slow moving industry or, or so it seems, but what are, what are all of the steps that that a submission goes through, whether it's a novel or a book proposal in terms of how many people need to put their okays, how many groups of, how many divisions need to need to sign off on something before there's a contract? It will typically have the first person who's reading the initial correspondence, whether that's directly from an author or if it's from an agent. And the query letter will, as we've discussed on previous episodes of CollaboraCast, the query letter will outline what the book is, who the author is, what genre, etc. And then if the person who's reading the query letter says, great, I like that, send me the whole manuscript, then they send the manuscript. Perfect scenario. They open up the manuscript and they say, wow, I love this. And they read the whole manuscript and they say, I really, really love this. I think we should publish this. They are more than likely going to have to get a second read from the editorial side of the publishing company. Someone else is going to have to read it and be like, oh yeah, this is really good. Or if, it, if it's not, then there needs to be a conversation that's going on. So you get uh, one reader for sure who loves something and then hopefully you are able to build a coalition internally to get other people who are excited about it and then you have to take it to an editorial board meeting where you are pitching the book to your publishing house colleagues that include the publisher uh, who is a the person overseeing the whole operation there are other editors at the meeting and then the sales and marketing people 
are there as well. And, and to what degree are they all reading as well? Or are they, how long is that process and what is that it, like? So that's a, that's a great question. Um, and in my experience in the last 20 years, it differs from place to place, but at, at the point that you are at an editorial meeting in some, in most instances, in my experience, it's the first time that the sales and marketing people are getting, uh, to really learn about the book, unless there've been extraordinary circumstances in a different direction. And so you, the, per the acquiring editor, the person who hopes to acquire the book is there to give a summary, to speak about the author, to show where the market is. And then the publishing and marketing people are gonna have their own set of questions. And they're gonna start brainstorming about, oh, I know some booksellers who I think you know, I've had a conversation with them about this particular topic. And so it's going to be meaningful to them. And I'll be sure to try and get buzz going because the sales and marketing people's job, once a book is acquired and once you've gotten approval to publish it, sales and marketing have to identify who's going to buy this book from a retail and librarian standpoint because those are the people who are going to pass it on to bookstore customers li library customers etc so all of these people have to come to agreement and say yes we think that if we choose to acquire this book we are going to be able to sell enough copies to make it worthwhile for the publishing house and have a vague idea of what the strategy is and then once the negotiations and an offer has been made. And if the offer is accepted by the agent, obviously I'm skipping over a lot of the back and forth of this. Then everyone goes to work in earnest to figure out what the marketing plan is, what the sales plan is, who are we going to get blurbs from, uh, what, what editorial changes need to be made. And that's working with the author to do that. And then poof. A book just shows up. And you... So if in that initial process, it's July or August and half of the sales team is in Mexico and half of the marketing team is on Cape Cod, then things slow down. Right. Exactly. Precisely. And you're waiting for people to convene. You're waiting for everybody who makes those decisions to be back and engaged and able to give their input into something that is a pretty involved decision and can carry a pretty high price tag and bring about some risks to the publisher, both financial and reputationally. So these are, are careful decisions that they're making uh, very deliberately in a very competitive environment. Yes. Well, unless you have anything to add to uh, the conversation or anything else you want to cover. Oh, one thing I did want to point out, I did get collaborist t-shirts made. So if you are a collaborist who is listening to the podcast, uh, if you're on YouTube, you just saw what the shirts look like. If you are not on YouTube and you heard me talking about it, you can either go to YouTube or we'll put something up on the website um, to show what the shirts look like. We are going to be offering them for sale in the future. So if you are interested, just make a mental note of that. Okay. Now, is there anything else that you had, Mr. Buckholz? 
No, I think we can wrap it there. This is our final episode for the spring. When we next convene, it will indeed be summertime. We've got a whole list of topics to cover through that. As you mentioned, this is a good time to um, just kind of hunker down as a writer and and focus on on craft. Um, really work on if you have an upcoming submission, work on really making that as polished as you can. You can review some of our, our query letter episodes for advice on that. Uh, and, and we'll be covering a, a series of craft issues, industry issues, writing issues, and so on as we, as we shift into the summer of 22 here. And to make sure that you don't miss any of those, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. If you have time and you are so inclined, a rate and review is also appreciated. But until then, for story, for community, collaborators. collaborators.